Good morning, everyone. You're tuning into the news and morning mixtape. It is Tuesday, September 12th, and I'm your host, Mariana Schwitze, reporting from Mad Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. And here are our top stories from today. Freedom Convoy lawyers attempt to block Ottawa residents from testifying at trial. The federal government has introduced new guidelines for employees who want to use artificial intelligence tools like ChatGPT. Luis Rubiales resigns as Spanish soccer president after World Cup kiss. And then we'll hear from James with a new episode of Under the Radar and from Hania for another TIFF Look Back segment. Well, with all this news, let's get started. Organizers of the Freedom Convoy are on trial in Ottawa this week. According to the Canadian press, their lawyers are trying to block nine Ottawa residents and business representatives from testifying. Tamara Lick and Chris Barber are on trial for criminal charges related to their role in the demonstration. Last year, the Freedom Convoy blockaded Ottawa City's streets for weeks as protesters whirled, rallied against COVID-19 public health measures. The Crown plans to call five Ottawa residents as witnesses in the case to describe what they saw and experienced during the convoy. Lick's lawyer, Lawrence Greenspoon, argued against hearing from the witnesses when court resumed on Monday. Leek and Barber have already signed admissions that the, quote, actions of certain individuals, end quote, who participated in the protest interfered with public transit and the lawful use and enjoyment of property and businesses. Greenspoon said there's, quote, absolutely no need to call these nine witnesses, end quote, arguing their testimony would be irrelevant in a strictly legal sense. The witnesses didn't have any direct interactions with Lake or Barber, and the organizers have not admitted to playing any role in the disruptions. Crown attorney Siboya Wetscher argued that the admission did not go far enough to justify blocking the testimony of people directly impacted by the protest. According to the Canadian press, the Crown wants to show exactly how disruption, intimidation, and obstruction manifested. The two organizers face charges of mischief and counseling others to commit mischief, intimidation, and obstructing police. Still on Canadian news, the federal government has introduced new guidelines for employees who want to use artificial intelligence tools like ChatGPT on the job. According to CBC News, Treasury Board President Anita Anand said this new measure is to ensure the technology is being used responsibly. Anand said the government also will be monitoring the way AI is being used to guard against potential problems like bias or discrimination. Anand said the guidelines, which complement the existing directive to government departments on artificial intelligence, provide preliminary guidance to employees and will be updated as needed. Still according to the CBC News, while there are currently no penalties for violating the new guidelines, Anand said they are based on existing legislation such as the Privacy Act and could trigger a penalty. The guidelines define generative AI as technology that, quote, produces content such as text, audio, code, videos, and images, end quote, for things like chatbots, emails, briefing notes, research, or programming. The guidelines recommend caution when using AI for things like public communications on social media or automating assessments, recommendations, or decisions about clients. If a department uses generative AI to respond to a citizen, answer questions via chatbot, create a document, or make a decision, it should be transparent about using the technology, says the guidelines. It also says departments should identify content that has been produced using generative AI, notify users that they're interacting with an AI too, document decisions, and be able to provide explanation if tools are used to support decision-making.
Anand said the government is issuing the guidelines now because, quote, the public service is at the initial stages in recognizing the importance of AI, end quote. And on international news, Luis Rubiales has resigned as president of the Spanish Soccer Federation. This comes after he kissed player Jenny Hermoso on the lips after Spain's victory in the World Cup final last month. Rubiales said he cannot continue his work during an interview on Piers Morgan Uncensored and followed that with a letter to the Federation. In the same letter, he also said he would step down as vice president of UEFA, European Soccer Governing Body. According to the Washington Post, the Spanish Federation confirmed Sunday that Rubiales tended his resignation from its organization and from the UEFA. Rubiales had drawn widespread condemnation for the kiss, which took place during the award ceremony. He was in the midst of a 90-day suspension by FIFA, soccer's global governing body, and his decision followed a call by leaders of the Spanish Federation for him to step down. The women's team in Spain had also said they would play no matches until he had been removed. On Friday, the Attorney General of Spain issued a formal complaint against Rubiales, accusing him of sexual assault and coercion. Well, that was it for me today. Now I'll leave you with James for a new episode of Under the Radar. Good morning. I'm James Casa, and every week I'm going to bring you a local news story happening now in Toronto that may be flying under your radar. It's early September, which means a few things. Stores are already selling Halloween gear, the NFL is starting up again, kids are going back to school, and it's over 30 degrees. In case you were lucky enough to have air conditioning and not have to leave said air conditioning over the last week here in Toronto, you should know that Toronto just experienced a sweltering heat wave. For several days last week, the temperature went to over 30 degrees Celsius and felt close to 40, according to meteorologists. And that's really bad, especially this time of year. There's many reasons why this is a concern, but I want to tackle one tied to another aforementioned sign of early September I mentioned. Back to school season. The same week as the heat wave, thousands upon thousands of children and teenagers started their academic year here in Toronto, ready and maybe even eager to learn the vast majority of children were greeted by a grim schooling, one without air conditioning. 70% of public schools in Toronto lack air conditioning, leaving students and staff alike having to battle out the heat that made even the most sun-loving of us wish for a break. For the 70% of students in schools without air conditioning, it was more than just uncomfortable. Painful, specifically, was a word used in one interview on CP24 by a student to describe their days in school lately. In some schools, only one or two rooms have air conditioning, leading to staff deciding to rotate kids, classroom or grade at a time, in and out of said room with air conditioning. That's distracting, uncomfortable, and dehumanizing to have your time in the cold limited like that. And this might only get worse. With climate change well under swing, the possibility of heat waves overlapping with school on either end of the year is ever increasing. And experts warn that the distraction and safety risks of these heat waves without proper climate control especially for kids, can be dangerous not just to kids' education, but to their safety. So what can be done? Besides short-term solutions like fans and opening windows that have a varying degree of success, the school board is looking into installing new air conditioning, but that comes at a great cost, and a cost that no level of government currently has expressed interest in forking over. For Met Radio, I'm James Casa, and this has been Under Your Radar. Thank you, James. Now let's hear from Hania with some news from TIFF. Hello, 
This is Hanya, and I'm back to give you a quick little rundown on my experience at the Toronto International Film Festival so far. The team here at Met Radio has been out and about for the last five days, and although many of us are sleep deprived and running on complimentary coffees, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch all kinds of movies. I've got six films under my belt so far and plan to catch quite a few this week, but let's just get into some of my highlights from the last couple of days. I started Tiff off with Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron, which was rumored to be his last film, but it sounds like he may already be working on the next one. Although I must say, if he was to bid farewell with this, then what a perfect way to go out. The Boy and the Heron encapsulates many of Miyazaki's most beloved themes. With his abstract painting-esque visuals, Miyazaki pulls us into yet another world where space and time become fluid. We are introduced to more bizarre characters such as giant killer parakeets, marking our entry into the fantastical Ghibli universe. Overall, The Boy and the Heron feels somewhat like a fever dream, one where you're transported into a world of wondrous landscapes, curious characters, and illuminating wisdom. Catch the last screening of this film at TIFF this Saturday at 10.30 a.m. The Boy and the Heron will also be released in theaters across Canada later this year on December 8th. Another must-see from this week has been Um Tewa's Concrete Utopia. The film is set in a dystopian landscape in which an earthquake leaves nothing but one apartment building standing. Now the residents must decide, will the outsiders be invited in or must they fend for themselves in the freezing cold of the morbid Korean winter? This film looks at the world in the extreme, leaving us with a multitude of characters who stand on opposing ends of the moral spectrum. Concrete Utopia plays with our understanding of humanity and makes us wonder how far we would go to protect what we feel is home. South Korea selected the film as its nominee for the Best International Feature at this year's Academy Awards, although I must say acting veteran Lee Byung-hyun should definitely be considered for Best Supporting Actor. Concrete Utopia will hold two more screenings at TIFF on September 15th and 16th. These are my two standouts so far. Amber and I will be hosting Movie Mixtape on September 22nd, so tune in to catch more of our lengthier and detailed reviews. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I will be back next week with some more news and morning mixtape. I'm Mariana Schuetze. Thanks for listening.